What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fight Talk podcast. We got a couple shows to dive into, a couple of exciting and, dare I say, shocking moments to get into. But uh, before that, let's uh, let's get a little fun. I mean, we, we talk about our team, Steven Jensen. Um, we talked a little bit on, off air about it. Tom Brady beats fucking Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes beats Josh Allen. And now... Brady Mahomes in the Super Bowl, bro. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like, as far as just kind of being a fan, a football fan, like, to watch. I, I just love the kind of story there. It's very pro wrestling-esque, like, the whole Brady thing. Like, you know, just, you couldn't have written this a better way. Like, he he leaves, you know, when, when he has six Super Bowl rings with New England. He'd right. been to the Super And I think he'd been there, like, ten times, uh, like, overall. Uh, first season turns the Buccaneers franchise completely around, you know, goes out and recruits Gronk and Antonio Brown and all this stuff. I've even heard that their coach, cause they have like a young head coach. Apparently, I think I heard Antonio Brown talking about how there are parts in the games where like the coach will literally just hand the, like the whole like play calling everything over to Brady and Brady will like take over like, like like the plays and and everything because he's been around for so long and he sees stuff throughout the game that you can't really like prepare for pregame and he and he like the team just has total faith in he in him knowing what he's doing and I mean they just made it to the Super Bowl and it's gonna be in Tampa Bay at their home stadium first time that's ever gonna happen home team playing in the Super Bowl uh, the Vikings came very close uh, the year of the Minnesota Miracle but. Right. Uh, you know, wound up not making it to the Super Bowl. But uh but so yeah, I mean I think I think it's incredible for Tom Brady. And then you have you know Patrick Mahomes who I mean he that's he's just a perfect example of you know a great decision by you know a team to you know to pay him like all that money to get him locked down long term. I mean this guy is this guy's worth every penny they're paying him and the rest of the team's playing great. Travis Kelsey, great season. I mean, there's just, uh, they're two just, they're two amazing teams. And I, I am pulling for the Buccaneers because I do think it would just be the, it'd just be really unique to see Tom Brady, like accomplish this and like, and win a Super Bowl in his first season with a new team and like potentially retire or maybe start a brand new franchise of, you know, back-to-back wins or something with, with the, with the, uh, you know, the Buccaneers and stuff. So I, I, it's a really interesting Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win? My gut tells me Mahomes. I think the Chiefs have so much talent on the offense. And listen, yeah. the Bucks defense have been phenomenal uh, since that week, uh, the, not week one, excuse me, the, the first week of the playoffs, they played the Washington football team. That game was a little closer than I thought it would be, but since then, uh, he, he's beat the Saints. He, they, Brady, man, whenever you're talking about him, he, you know, it's that um, we, we've seen him do it now with the team that I know you're like me. Those first couple of weeks of the regular season, there was a lot, a little bit of hate. There was a lot of maybe yep. Brady's not the guy anymore. He's, he's taking a slide back, all this and that. Uh, and here he is. I believe he is now 10 and four in conference championships, dude. Yeah, I mean that's so unreal. When you <clears throat> excuse me, when you really think about that, like I mean like the Vikings in my lifetime have never even made the Super Bowl, you know? Like 
that's and this dude has made the Super Bowl ten times. This guy has all those conference championships. I mean, it's just and then and then you look at the Patriots and what they looked like this year without him. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, see, like, you know, I think there's because here's the thing with, with the with the Patriots, historically speaking, even years when Brady was hurt or something, like they had Matt Castle that one season, and I think they still made the playoffs. Um, I remember they had, I think it was Jacoby Brissett at one point, and they were st- they, they were like decent. Um, they had Garoppolo, and like they were still playing well with like. So I so there was always like kind of that question of, well, is it Brady or is it the system, and can you kind yeah. of plug any you know any player in there that you know as long as as long as long as you can go along with how the system works, is it Brady or is it the system? I guess was really the big question, and then. You see, it didn't work out with Cam Newton. I think I saw something that they had like. I could be wrong, but and this seems insane, and I feel like I am wrong. But I feel mm-hmm. like I saw something that they only threw six passing touchdowns the entire season as a team. Um, and I know for sure they didn't have. They had like one touchdown for the last like three weeks total. And yeah. I think it was. I think it was Newton running. So, <clears throat> so it's one of those things too, where like you look at where the Patriots wound up this year, and then you look at the Bucks who weren't even close to playoff contention last year. And you had, you know, Jameis Winston, who it was literally 50, 50 coin flip statistically of, you know, touchdown or interception basically. And I mean, in one season the, you know, I I think it's pretty safe to say it's Tom Brady, you know, I I think the Brady and Belichick marriage was just perfect, you know, but it's bring, it's pretty clear that Brady can do this without him. Yeah. And it's such a weird you look at the roster, and this was this was my last thing I wanted to point out. Um, but it's such a weird roster on this Buck team now. You've got Brady, you've got Gronk, Leonard Fournette's there, Antonio Brown. Um, it's just such an odd mix of dudes that are now going to be in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Who hey, only only lost a game this season. Uh, Mahomes and, and the Chiefs got it done uh, pretty handily against the Bills. Um, I'm excited for it, man. Either way, it's a good story. Either the Chiefs do it again, Mahomes adds another ring, or Tom Brady gets closer to having both hands covered in rings, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. And I think, just for the record, I think the Chiefs are the better overall team. Right, like, yeah. You know, and Mahomes is just incredible. And overall, on the on the Tampa Bay side, you know, shout out to my boy, Anton Winfield Jr. I love him over on defense. He's a great safety. Gamer. His, and yeah, his his dad was, you know, one of the best Vikings defensive players ever. So it's it's cool to see his son being so successful. Um, so I have a lot of reasons, I guess, to kind of like because it's one of those things, too. Like if the if the Chiefs win, I'll be just as happy. You know, like I, I don't have it. I don't have a dog in the in the fight at all in this, you know, so it's it's you know but but at least there's enough interesting elements about this that'll because i didn't even, i didn't even watch the super bowl last year i can't even remember who was even in it uh the vikings weren't in it and i just you know i was over football i was you know butthurt over it but this season at least at least there's enough going on there that i'm i'm gonna definitely watch it live for the record the chiefs won the super bowl last year so oh, that's right that's right yeah yeah going for two in a row man i'm excited um, I think I'm going to be rooting for the Bucks, the same as you, the story of Brady. But uh, I'm, again, I, I think it's going to be 
it's going to do a good number on the business side, and it could very well be a really good game. But we're here to talk about the Octagon, about MMA as a whole. Um, we got a lot of UFC talk, bro. Let's get right into the story of the weekend. And here, uh, just a few days away, away from February, the story of the year so far, Dustin Poirier finishes Conor McGregor in the second round. TKO for the Diamond gets a performance of the night bonus for all the work. Hayden, full man. Uh, a lot of questions I, I want to kind of dive into this, but but we got to lead off with what were you thinking uh, after Dustin had kind of worked the legs down, some really gross leg kicks, and then he, he lands that punch that really – that wobbles, puts Connor down, and then, of course, the flurry to finish it. What were you thinking when Dustin got the job done? I mean, and my my main thought was I was just really, really happy for Dustin Poirier. Like, this guy who, I mean, I've talked about it on this show before. I mean, he, I considered him to be the best guy in the division outside of Habib, like, all around. And when they fought each other, I felt so bad for Dustin because he was so prepared for that fight with Habib and Habib is just so much better than he is. And that was just a testament to how good Habib is. Like that's Habib is on an Island by himself within, within the, the lightweight division. I mean, it's Habib. And then there's a significant drop off before we start talking about who I would say is the second best guy in the division, Dustin Poirier. And even after this fight, I'd still say the third best guy in the division is probably Conor McGregor. Like, I, I think Charles Oliveira beats all of these guys. And I've made that really clear in my opinions on Charles Oliveira. I think he's, like, he's the most impressive guy right now and the most dangerous guy in the division, I think. But his biggest win is to Tony Ferguson. And Tony Ferguson hasn't beaten any of the guys I just mentioned and stuff. You know what I mean? So he, I can't really rank Oliveira above those guys yet until he fights them. And once again, I think when he fights them, he, he'll, he'll defeat them. But that said... I mean, that the, the point being, like, Dustin Poirier, he had that interim title, you know, beat Max Holloway for it, awesome fight in Atlanta, and then that that crushing loss to Habib. But he dusted himself off, and, you know, he got himself into a position. Like, he was really smart. He he negotiated, you know, he beat Dan Hooker in that war, and then he he was negotiating, and he basically negotiated himself out of a fight with Tony Ferguson, and it wound up being the best thing he ever did because he held out and wound up getting Conor McGregor instead. And now look at you know what's happened, and and, and just the just the name value of Dustin Poirier alone has blown up so much, uh, you know, since this fight. I mean, this is this was like I know it wasn't for the title, although it should have been. Um, it, it you know. That's the only downside I can say about it is Dustin Poirier still is not the world champion, uh, technically speaking, but it feels like he finally won the big one because you look at the rest of his record and it's just a fucking killer's row of people he's fucking fought. Um, I mean, you look at just recently wins over Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway, Dan Hooker. I mean, so, I mean, I, so it's just, it's just got to feel so good to be Dustin Poirier and get that fucking, you know, that weight off your shoulder and get a fucking win like this. So I, I initially, I, you know, I'm just really fucking happy for Dustin Poirier. I couldn't agree more. That's the, the, the first thing I thought I, I jumped up out of my seat and thought he finally got it back. This is that high to that low of the Habib fight. 
uh, yeah, the, the list of, of names you just mentioned, uh, Poirier, uh, very much um, a, a, a name now that will go down, you know, uh, years from now, you know, you're, we're going to fight fans are going to catch themselves like, man, you know, Dustin, like the names he beat, I, I know for casual fans, maybe now they, they'll kind of buy into that more. But those who know, know that Dustin Poirier, man, has been grinding. He's been beating top of the top best. You, you summed it up great, I think, with Habib, too. A lot of my friends were saying, okay, now, you know, Mo's, Habib comes back and we get him and Dustin, right? And I go, I don't think so. I think that that was such a dominant performance for, for Habib. I think if he does come back, I agree with you, Oliveira's the fight. Um, I don't think he comes back now. I don't think Oliveira did much for Dana. I, I think he really had his eggs in the Connor basket, and now that has gone down. Um, I think with the rumors we see for Habib maybe subside for a minute. Uh, but let me ask you this. Before we get into all the, the Connor talk, what is next for Dustin? Do you think, if, if we are right about Habib, and maybe he, he's not as quick to come back now, do we get Dustin and Oliveira for, for that title? So... <sighs> This is where it gets really interesting for a lot of different reasons. So I kind of kind of have to like think out loud while I'm while I do this. But so this fight, we all know the only reason this fight wasn't for the championship is because, like I was saying last week, I really think Habib wanted to vacate in in like like a clear retirement before this pay per view. But Dana White was making him hold on to that title and he would not take it from him until the the result of McGregor versus Poirier because he desperately wanted to book a rematch between McGregor and Habib. Like it's I think that's clear as day that that's what was going on. So right out so right off the bat Poirier like should have won the title on yeah. Saturday, right? So so there's that layer to it. So like should Dustin be in the next title fight? Yeah, theoretically, he should. Um, but this is where it's going to get really weird. And and not necessarily good or bad. It's just going to be interesting to see how things all fall into place. So if it was up to me, what I would... And what I, I'll tell you what I... You know what? I'll tell you what I think makes the most sense. Okay. And then I'll tell you what I think will probably actually happen. So what I think would make the most sense for the, like, the rankings in the, in the division. Because we have to... <clears throat> now we have to really assume Habib is going to vacate the belt because Habib is not going to fight Dustin a second time for the, no. same, for the reasons you said. So, you know... And Habib even said after the fight, like, he apparently uh, talked to Dana and was like, I'm so far... I'm so many levels ahead of these guys. Like, I yeah. I can't... You know, it just doesn't make sense for me to fight these guys and like he's he's happy with being retired you know so it's just even mm -hmm. dana said uh something the effect of after the main event that habib's return doesn't seem as likely and i mean there there was the clip i saw on twitter i'm sure you did too i think it's off the marie uh the most recent dana looking for a fight was him talking about the poirier connor numbers and oh man this you know you and connor rematch would do even more i mean it doesn't take a detective to, to say just what we're both saying that this was the move and uh and here we are i mean it, it, dana's not done a good job and then 
with Habib. It's a truth. I mean, what what does he have to prove to any of these names we've mentioned? Exactly. He nothing. He had nothing to prove. Um, again, now I'll say, you know, if maybe a little time goes by, maybe a year or two, and we have a new champion, and like that champion has defended the title, you know, two or three times, and that champion is someone that Habib has never fought before. Like, let's say Oliveira, for instance, wins the title, um, you know, this year and then defends it, you know, two times, three times, something like that. I could see Habib maybe kind of pulling a GSP and being like, okay, this motivates me to come back and try to go for 30 and 0. Like, there's a new guy who's on a roll who I've never fought before. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because right now that's not really the case. It is with Oliveira to a degree, but like, I don't, Habib doesn't have anything really to gain from fighting Oliveira other than like the payday he'd get from fighting, which he doesn't need. Um, so, so, so what I think from a ranking standpoint, what I think is the most fair, I think it should be Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira for the title. I think that should be the next fight. I, in the, in, in that scenario, and we'll talk more about Connor, but in yeah. that's, but in that scenario, if we had Poirier and McGregor for the belt, I would do uh, Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. That that winner of that would get next, and then you would have Connor and Nate three because both guys would be free, and that would still be a gigantic fucking fight for a trilogy. And I would do uh, Dan Hooker and Tony Ferguson. So right there, you have. I mean, that's basically a multi-year tournament, a round robin tournament almost, where like. Any of those guys could beat anyone else at any point, probably. And like that's those are the best guys in the division right there. And they they're all incredible matchups for each other. Um, but what I think is going to happen, and I think it's go so th- it's all gonna depend on Dustin Poirier's like what his motivations are and how long he wants to fight. Cause I think he's kind of wrapping it up too, to a degree. I, I don't think Dustin Poirier is going to be fighting any more than another, like maybe three, four times, you know, tops. Cause like he's now he's getting into big money fights territory, which is, which is great for him. Like, the, and he has a family, you know what I mean? I don't think he wants to have to fight, you know, another five years if he doesn't have to. Um, and with all the wars he's been in over the years. Yeah. Um, hard you know, miles. Yeah. Hard, hard miles. And he really alluded to that in the press conference after the fight, too. Kind of that he he doesn't seem as into it as he was before. But that's just, you know, life, his life is changing. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. And so if Dustin doesn't really care about being the champion and he cares more about because I know he said like, he said the one thing about his career that like he still doesn't have is being called the undisputed champion. So I think yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there is a part of him that wants that title belt, but does that part of him want the title belt more than just making a ton of money, even more money than you would make without that belt being involved. And that's, you know, and I, I can see that being the case too. Cause that's the other thing. Poirier is about to be, I guarantee you, he's going to completely renegotiate his contract. He's going to be, when you beat Conor McGregor, you have to be asking for more money because now you are a much bigger draw than you were before. So a lot of things are probably going to change for Poirier, which are all positive things because he has finally, like he's gotten to the level where like he can finally do the, he's, he's finally at the table now with these guys. And 
this is a long way of saying, I think what we'll get next is Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because the couple of quotes I had, I had seen that kind of, I, I thought my initial reaction, I thought he wanted that title. I, I thought he would be all about the Oliveira fight. Uh, after seeing some, some quotes and just how people were talking, Dana White included, I think you're onto something, man. It sounded to me like like uh, Dustin was more interested in maybe fighting Connor again for obvious reasons. You beat him once, you in theory can do it again, and the, again the 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 money of a rematch or the name you just mentioned. He did. He said the name of of Nate Diaz, which I think both of these men are going to have their names at least rumorly rumorly a, a rumor <laughs> way linked to to Nate over the next couple of months. Yeah, so that's the thing, because because Connor is going to be out for a while. Like, it'll, it probably won't be another half a year before, we, you know, at the earliest till when we see him next, because his leg got chewed up. He was walking around in like a crutch after the fight. Um, so he's going to be out for a minute, and I think that Connor's next fight will be either Nate or Dustin. It'll probably be. It, I don't think it really even matters who wins or loses. To be honest, if if Nate and Dustin, sorry, if du- yeah, Nate and Dustin fight each other, uh, one of those two will fight Connor next, and and that's just huge business for everybody involved, for all three of them, because Dustin will get a bigger payday to fight Nate than he would Charles Oliveira by a landslide. Yeah, and um, and then when Connor's ready to come back, he has gigantic trilogy fights available with Nate Diaz or Dustin Poirier. Um, So everybody winds up winning in these scenarios. And in these scenarios, one of the key things here is the belt is not involved. And that's a good thing because if the belt is not involved in this, then you do Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje for the vacant title. And then you have all these contenders that we've already been talking about, like Michael Chandler and, um, and, you know, you're still, you're still going to have, you know, Tony Ferguson in the mix and, and, you know, all these other guys, all these up and comers and stuff like, you, like lightweight is already stacked with contenders. And then at any moment, any of those three, I just mentioned, like whoever's the odd man out there, like if, you know, if they're going to do Connor and, and du- if they're going to do, you know, Connor Dustin three, or if they're going to do Nate, Con- then the other guy is available and in the title mix. Cause like, Nate Diaz shouldn't get a title fight. That's the only reason that I didn't say like Dustin and Nate for the title. I, I could see them doing it like for publicity, but like Nate really shouldn't be in the yeah. lightweight title picture. Like no, in comparison to these other guys who have actually been doing it in the division. Um, so that's like that's kind of where my head's at. Is I think you do. I think you do Dustin and Nate. Connor sits out for a minute and fights one of those two later in the year, and you do. Um, Oliveira and Gaethje for the vacant title. That's what I would do. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that's kind of the name, too, that is being thrown around is Gaethje, maybe, with uh, with Oliveira. Uh, it's interesting stuff, man. Again, the, the biggest uh, the biggest change, I think, I see coming out of that post-conference, uh, post-press conference, I should say, was the fact that I do. I think Poirier may be thinking money more than title, so... Uh, we both agree though that Charles Oliveira is probably the the man that's standing in that title fight, uh, assuming Khabib does vacate, which I think he will. Um, I, I'm very interested to see what happens. I think I think Dustin Oliveira is there. I think Dustin though wants to make that money. Maybe he wants to uh, 
uh, see that Nate fight. It, the first thing I thought coming out of this for Connor was that it felt like I expected in a month, you know, six weeks to hear it be announced Connor Nate three, uh, easy payday for both men. And, uh, you know, Connor knows he at least feels in his gut he can win that fight. Um, but you make up a great point about the leg and just the outside the cage of your Connor, you know. I know this is a good payday for him. I'm not sure how much, but uh, the, the thought of getting right back in there may not be the first thing on his mind after taking a loss like that. Yeah, I, I think I read that. I think Connor got paid five mil for the fight. Um, Damn. Yeah, and then that that doesn't include all the extra stuff, like all the pay-per-view. The proper 12 stuff. fucking advertisements oh, and shit. Exactly, yes. Um, a lot there, too. Um, and then the other thing with Poirier, because Dana White, right after the fights, was trying to push for Poirier versus Chandler for the right, belt yep, next. Yep. And we're going to talk about Chandler in a second, but, like, Poirier made it really clear he isn't interested in fighting Michael Chandler. And and I and I understand like what Chandler did was spectacular on on Saturday, but from Poirier's perspective, he's probably looking at this like, yo, look at my resume and the guy like I know Michael Chandler was the Bellator champion and like he has some big wins and some really good fights against some you know big opponents and stuff, but when you really put it side by side, especially over the last like five years, yeah. like you know. He's looking at that going, look at what I've done. And like, now I just beat Connor and now I can go make real money and like real superstar, you know, level status with, with this company. I'm not putting that on the line against the guy who just debuted in this, in this company, you know? No, that is that's a great point. Cause that was even myself. I, I caught thinking, Oh wow. What, you know, do you try to make that? But that's a great point Fourier. It was a war, but he has a win over hooker. I mean, that's an easy card to play. And then the back of your mind too, you know, you don't want to let Michael Chandler make that name that quick, um, make him earn it a little bit from that standpoint. So I get it, but that's a great point. That's a fight. I know Dana mentioned it, like you said, and then it was really hot on social media for obvious reasons because Michael Chandler put down Dan Hooker in two and a half minutes, first round. Um, anytime you've got two guys in the same light in the same division, this one being lightweight, of course, coming out with exciting finishes like that, there's going to be a little bit of a, hey, you know, what if these two squared up? Uh, I, I want to say, you know, Dustin Poirier is probably the the surprise of the night. I would I would honestly argue Chandler beating Hooker the way he did was really the, the shock for me that I went to bed thinking, like, you know, I'm happy for Dustin, but, like, damn, dude, Michael Chandler did that? You know, what, what, what were you thinking? Because we both agreed that, Hooker, the bigger man, uh, looking the way he did, um, was was probably going to win this fight. Did not go that way with a first again first round finish. I can't stress how impressed I was by that Steven Jensen. Oh yeah, same. I mean, it was it was super impressive. And just for the record, I think I missed every prediction on the main card. So like my <laughs> my my predictions were way off. Like I I think you know the thing with Michael Chandler that was so important about what he did was that he did it on this show, like, because everybody was watching. Like, everyone tuned in for the, the Conor Poirier fight, and they were on right before it. So a lot of people saw Michael Chandler for the first time, and that's what they got to see. And one thing I want to mention before I forget to, um, just about the main event real quick, was on Conor's side, like, Conor, Conor looked good. 
Like he he won arguably won the first round. Like I I could give it to Dustin because of the takedown, but but standing, Connor got the yeah. better of him the first round, right? So it's like Dustin his game plan was genius, and and the leg kicks over over time over the through the course of the two rounds. I mean that was perfect. I mean just bravo to Dustin Poirier, but. Connor also showed me in that fight, like, you know, not everyone's going to be able to stand in the pocket and land like that on Connor. And Connor's going to come in next time, I'm sure, defending the leg kick much differently or, you know, a lot better. So, like, I, I it's one of those things, too, where, like, oh, there's a lot of people that are, you know, memeing on Connor. And, and I get it. Like, those pictures are really funny where he's, like, knocked out and stuff. But, it, it, like Connor is far from washed up. Like Connor could potentially fight for like it's put, he could potentially be in a title fight in his next fight and win the championship. Still, like he's he's still like he's still very much one of the top three or top five guys in the whole division. So, so like all that really happened over the weekend for me was like Connor's star didn't really go down because Connor's still the biggest draw in the yeah, company no. by far. And he has built-in trilogies with Poirier and and Diaz. Um, all this did was like elevate a new guy to that table in in Dustin Poirier, a guy who like nobody deserves it more probably in the company than Dustin Poirier to finally be in the spot that he's gotten to. And you can't get to that spot without beating Conor McGregor. So like it, I, I feel like it was just a gigantic win for the UFC and the fans and the fighters and everybody with when all this happened. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, for for serious fight fans like us, for casual fans, the new someone knew that automatically, if you had no idea who Dustin Poirier or to an extent Michael Chandler were, were yep. going into these these fights, you automatically care about them. You're 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 googling him. You're looking him up on YouTube, whatever you, what have you. But uh, that's very well said, man. And I think the truth. I mean, shit. If this is wrestling, or uh, this is a movie, this is kind of. How do we get to the trilogy, right? How do we get to that third movie that maybe makes even you know even more money than the previous two is a loss here. So maybe uh, you know again at the end of the day, maybe more money could be made in the long run from this. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they're they have a really you know really big potential star with Chandler. It's just he's been around for a while. Like it's not like he's like this brand new. But he looked fucking amazing against Dan Hooker. Like, if he can keep doing that, they really could have, you know, kind of a new face of the division uh, in Michael Chandler. I mean, I think Chandler matches up really well uh, against Poirier. Like, I, I would take Poirier to win if they were to fight each other. But Chandler, I think, presents a lot of really big problems for the division. And, you know, I, as far as, like, who he would fight next, that like, that's the really kind of like interesting question because like if Poirier is not going to fight him and I, if I if they have Oliveira because like I really want to see Gaethje and uh I think Gaethje and Chandler is like the most interesting matchup um for both guys right now but I think I think Gaethje like I was saying I think we get Gaethje and Oliveira for the title um but if that doesn't happen and like they wind up doing you know Poirier and Oliveira I would definitely do uh, Gaethje and Chandler, but, but Chandler has put himself in a position where like he is mission accomplished. Like he is in the title picture in the most stacked weight class in the history of fighting. So 
huge. I mean, you couldn't, you could not have had a better debut in the company. Could have had a better debut. He's going to be in that top five. You got to think now ranking wise. And, and I think you already answered my question of a rumor. I did see kind of bouncing around was possible uh, was Gagey Chandler. And I think that's the fight to make a, a WSFO guy and a Bellator guy in a UFC cage. Um, that feels like a big time fight with some, uh, some consequences for the lightweight, because if Chandler were, were to win that fight, then you are saying he's in a title, you know, conversation at the least. If Gagey puts that down, it's almost uh, the kind of, you know, that, that hype train stopping, even though we keep saying, you know, Michael Chandler is some spring chicken. He's 34. He's been in some really, really tough fights uh, throughout his career, but, uh, at least for for this weekend, you know, a again first round finish of Dan Hook Dan Hooker performance of the night, um, 50k in the pocket for Michael Chandler. Not could not have written a better debut, man. It could not have happened. Uh, I I would love to see for the record Dustin Poirier Michael Chandler does it for me, but uh, I just don't think so. I think you you summed it up to to lead off that uh, Dustin Poirier uh, won in so many ways this weekend. Now he's at that table. Uh, with the, uh, you know, you, you got to get the money counters to, to make sure the money's right. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it's just kind of like to the point with, like, Nate Diaz, for example. The, the same kind of story. Like, he fought for a long time, was complaining yep. about yep. money. You know, Nick, his brother Nick, you know, probably my favorite fighter of all time. He, he Nick was notorious for, like, being, he was one of the first guys, like, really talking about that in the public, like, you know, about the fighter pay and, and like people, you know, changing their styles to like, you know, you know, not really fight, but more so like point fight than try to finish fights and all this stuff. And, and Nate really followed the career trajectory of Nick in a lot of ways and followed, you know, kind of his path. I mean, he'll admittedly say like Nate Diaz will say in any interview that Nick Diaz is the best fighter of all time. They, they all credit everything to the Nick Diaz army. Like that's, there's, there's a group of guys right now in Stockton, California that are probably together as I speak that are just doing whatever Nick Diaz wants to do. Like that's like, that's, they just tr- put all, you know, all trust in this dude to, to get them where, where they're trying to be. Cause they have that much respect for him and what he's done. And, and you have, you know, Nate who followed in that path and then he became this massive star, but it didn't happen until he beat Connor. Like he was always that guy, the, the guy that Dana White was talking about doesn't move the needle and all this stuff. Like it's he, but he beats Connor and that's, I mean, his career completely changed with Dustin Poirier. It's, it's, you know, it's similar in a lot of ways because it just, it's you know you know what i'm trying you know what i'm saying like you can't there's there's not like this is the biggest thing that you can really do like in the ufc is beat conor mcgregor so that's right you know so dustin is like he's just on a completely different all the rules have changed for dustin poirier now like and and it really and then you add in, you know, his good fight foundation and all this stuff he does, at, you know, for his community and, and for people in other countries. And it's just, I mean, it just, this could not have happened to, to just a better guy. And I, I'm really interested to see what they do next with him because, I mean, 
it's another guy we're just gonna have to appreciate while we have him around because I also just don't think he's in and, and he's also might get to the point of kind of just being just a money fight guy where like he takes four years off like like Dia like yeah. Diaz brothers do and stuff, you know, who knows? But um a lot of I, I guess to say there's a lot of parallels between the careers of Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier too, where they just trucked along for so long, um, but then beat Connor and they finally they finally got, uh, you know, it's like it's like what Dustin's been saying, paid in full. Like he's finally, it's finally come, you know, full circle for him. Yeah, anyone that hasn't check out the Fightville documentary with yes. Dustin Poirier, that shit is dope. Uh, it shows just the grind this this dude's been on forever. So uh, couldn't be happier for him. Couldn't be happier for Michael Chandler, a national resident. Uh, so I'll take that over here on the Tennessee side of things. Um, big win. Huge win, great debut. Couldn't have said any better. 50k in the pocket over Dan Hooker. Uh, two, uh, you know, th- we we don't know the numbers. We talked about this last week, Stephen. We're not sure about the numbers, the ESPN Plus stuff. I I know you probably saw like I did. There was a lot of talk about the app not working and people, you know, paying and not getting to watch. Um, I'm very curious to see. I mean. They don't have to put these numbers out, but I just it's one of those questions that I may never have answered. But I'm just so interested in what kind of number this drew on, you know, the ESPN plus service versus maybe what it would have on like, you know, the direct TV format or the pay-per-view format, um, because it felt like everyone wanted to watch this pay-per-view. Yeah, and. That was really crazy watching like my Twitter timeline during the show because I, I mean, I got lucky, I guess, because I, I didn't have any issues with the, uh, you know, I paid for it on ESPN Plus and it just, it just worked like it was supposed to. I got really lucky, I guess. I, um, it, uh, mine was wonky up until the co-main. Um, really? Yeah, like so I had to. I caught, I caught the uh, the finish in the. Um, the middleweight fight, the the, the cat for for Mayweather. Um, what was that dude's name? Fucking uh, uh, Muradov. So I caught that one over Sanchez. I had to see it like on Twitter, like after you know, like after it happened, it was all wonky. Um, but thankfully, the the co-main and the main worked. I mean, there were a lot of people, bro, that like it never it didn't work at all for. Them. Yeah, I was seeing a lot of that on there. That that sucks. Like I don't know how they let that happen. Like you, you gotta be, I know way more people than normal are flooding these, you know, the servers, but you have to be prepared for that. Like, I don't know how you gotta be over-prepared. You know, if you're, if you're expecting, you know, if you're projecting what, I don't know what they projected. I, I'd, I, I'd imagine the actual number was probably between one and 2 million people. I would guess maybe on like the low end of the 1 millions, um, That'd be my guess. I, I'd have guessed probably anywhere between one to one and a half would be my guess, honestly. Yeah, that's that's yeah, I, that's where I'd be as well. And and so you've got to be prepared for like you know two three million like people like minimum for just that show. And then of course you have all the other stuff that streams on ESPN Plus. So it's it's just one of those things where I just don't know how it how it's possible to just not be prepared for that. You had months you knew this was this show was happening and you knew there was going to be a lot of people watching and it's really like the only way to to order the show and then you have dana white literally talking about how he has some dudes 
house phone tapped and an internet tapped and <laughs> is this dude's address and he's like just waiting for this one guy to uh to put the stream up online he's gonna go get him and i don't know if it's true or not but i saw people tweeting that like he actually got someone like he that he did get someone over this ever the illegal streaming i don't know but the but the point is that was really the only options like you either had to like illegally stream it or you know hope that your feed worked and then hopefully those people got refunds who didn't get to see the fights because that would be some bullshit if they paid and couldn't even watch it yeah oh well that was Haley's question to me my wife it was are they gonna get their money back and i'm like man i, I can I can feel like it's such a thing that it's so easy to say, well, we don't know. Like we don't know it, it didn't work. You know what I mean? For you. And I yeah. mean, it, it seems like a very slippery slope that I, I thankfully am not a part of, but I, I'm with, I mean, I'm with you. Like if I'm paying, this is the first one we're paying whatever it was that wound up being um, with the price hike for Connor I, I, and it doesn't work, man. I, again, this, this, uh, I, it's almost it feels like we're almost losing money, man. I guess not if they already paid it, we're gonna keep it, but it just feels again this was the first time uh it really felt like that extra pay window kind of hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we'll well, I guess we'll see what they do going forward. But I mean they'll I mean nothing's gonna change as far as the ESPN plus no. partnership and all that stuff, but they can't be now, I don't think they're gonna have that issue uh, on the next pay-per-view. Uh, which is way, way, way less stacked. Um, I can't even remember what the I remember what the main event is. I'm actually going to pull it up. Real Usman quick. and Burns. That's right, Usman, which is a great fight. But the rest I, isn't like the co-mains Weidman and Uriah Hall. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, which is like that's kind of weak. If you're going to make me pay seventy bucks or whatever for the for these shows, like. But then you then like after that, you start seeing some, you know, they have like the triple title fights coming up with, uh, you know, Nunez versus uh, Megan Anderson. Megan They've Anderson. got uh, Sterling and Jan and Adesanya Blahovich, all three of those on one show. They're going to have Stipe and uh, Nganu and Ortega and Volkanovski on one show. I mean, they're uh, yeah, they're going to be stacking right them name. up. Oh, speaking of that, I saw that uh, for that Stipe that Stipe and uh, Nganu card that I was just talking about, that they're uh, looking at doing uh, Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque on that show, which is a good matchup. But I don't know if you... Did you see like that clip that's going around of Tyron Woodley in that movie on Netflix? No, I've not seen this. Okay, I'll, I'll link it to you after the show. It's like Tyron Woodley's... I'm just gonna say, Tyler Woodley has to be the the lamest UFC fighter that there's ever been. <laughs> like all like all respect in the world to the fact that he won the title. We were both there, you know, like live when he beat Robbie Lawler. He had a he had an underrating an underrated title reign. Like he he had some wars with uh you know the one war with Stephen Thompson, another one was you know boring, boring. but you know the what he did to Darren Till and stuff. I mean it was he had a a good uh, Damian Maya. Yeah. But all the things he's tried outside of fighting, like his rap career, which was just literally so bad that he has had most of it scrubbed off the internet. Like you can't (laughs) find, you can't find a lot of his stuff in his music videos anymore. Like he had it all taken down. These people were just roasting him so hard over it because it was so bad. 
And now, you know, his big thing was like getting into acting. And he did this movie with T.I. that's on Netflix. And his, I don't know how much he's in the movie. I think it's his only scene. And I kid you not, like this isn't, this wasn't supposed to be, it's not supposed to be funny. It's not, this is going to, it's very reminiscent of like the, the, the scene I'm, I'm kind of trying to plant in people's heads that haven't seen this is you remember in the fast and the furious when um, like the, like there's, there's some dude like in their office it's like in an office and they put like a rat on his chest with like a, yeah, with yeah, like the pan over furious. it. Yes. And they, they heat it up and like the, the rat, you know, like or whatever, trying to, you know, you like tears through him trying to escape. It's that's like it's just like that, except it's it's Tyron Woodley is the guy who's like the victim, and you see him pull his pants down, so it's just Tyron Woodley's ass right up on the camera, <laughs> and a raccoon like destroys his dick. Holy shit! And he runs out of the room like crying and bleeding. And, like, it's not comedy. Like, I know it sounds funny, but, like, it's not, like, it's not supposed to be funny. Like, this is, like, supposed to be like that scene in Fast and Furious. And, it like, sounds that's, hilarious. Yeah, and that's what Tyron Woodley, like, yeah, man, glad you, glad you, uh, you know, did such a great job negotiating, negotiating your, your UFC deals and, uh, you know, really, you're, you're definitely way bigger than the sport, bro. Like, like, you're, that like, that's your acting career is getting his your best dick work bangled is, by a raccoon. Well, his best work is still Strata Compton, and he's like in that for like two seconds. Oh, I haven't even seen that. I can't. What's it? Is, is it him just like just a, a clip of him real quick, and it's just that's it? No, he's like I think he's Ice Cube's bodyguard, mm. and he literally he, you see him in the standing in the side here and there, but he's got one line like. I think Ice Cube's talking to somebody, and he's like, "Hey, Q, ready to go?" or something like that. And mm. that, but like, it's he's a big dude, so it's somewhat believable. Yeah, I mean, I can see that being kind of like the only role that he really fits into. Yeah, because his because his like delivery and stuff is just really, really bad. Like his rapping is like I'm definitely no rap aficionado. Like I'm no expert, but I've you know, listen to it my entire life. And I at least know when people are rapping like on the beat and he, he can't like his flow is so bad. Like it's so <laughs> off. Like I, 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 there's no other way of saying it. Like it's and you, you know what I mean? If you, you know, if you hear it, like it's, every, there, there are a few rappers out there that, that intentionally rap off of off of the beat like the, it, it's like a style of rapping it usually sounds really weird but like it can be kind of good um but Woodley's unintentionally doing it. it it's like it's like listening to a rock band where like the drummer is always like two beats off from the rest of the band it just sounds really 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 bad um and that's that's what his rap career was and like he was in these music videos that once again you can't even find on the internet anymore um, where it was him, like, you know, and these like makeshift, like strip clubs and stuff. And, and it's like this guy, like you're married with kids, dude. Like this isn't like he's Tyron Woodley is trying to be what he thinks people think he's supposed to be like, like this guy's like a totally like this guy was like an upper middle class, like great, like collegiate wrestler, like, 
Like he's not this he's not about this lifestyle that he's trying to portray in these music videos and stuff like talking about like carrying her guns and stuff like dude you're not this isn't it just seems so forced and then he just winds up being like the like the token like tough you know tough guy like you know bodyguard like you said or in this other movie he's like this dude who like snitched on ti so now he's got to get his dick chopped off by a raccoon like it's like it's just so yeah, it's just so bad, dude. <laughs> oh, just so bad. And by the way, T.I. is a great actor. Like, he he's somehow, like, you know, transitioned into, like, uh, ATL is a great movie, you know? So, oh, yeah, it was. It, so, so it's not, in this movie that I'm talking about has, like, a seven, like, a seven rating on Rotten Tomatoes, like a 70, like, 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 which is, like, really fucking good. So it's actually supposedly a really good movie. It's just Tyron Wood, the way they use Tyron Woodley but they just made him look like the biggest just jabroni ever in this movie. Dude. <laughs> so anyway, that's completely off topic. But we could get uh we could get more uh Tyron Woodley soon. And hey, maybe he comes in and he just wipes out the Sentai Luke and gets right back on track. But I also don't think it's a great idea to fight a guy like Vicente Luque. No. Who's hungry as hell right now to be a UFC contender for a title, uh when you're out there uh, doing these movies and these this other stuff. I mean, this just this is the last thing I'll say. This just this just speaks volumes of like how I feel about Tyron Woodley. Okay, this guy. What the the day after he lost the championship to Kamar Usman was the day that he had scheduled to release his rap album, and he lost, and it still came out. And like half the songs are about him being the world champion. Like why? Like why would, you, why would you do that to yourself? Like, like <laughs> it just doesn't. It, and then, and I just don't get it. Like I see him doing these interviews where he is confused. Like, oh man, like you know, I didn't realize when I wasn't the world champion anymore that like I wouldn't get as many you know, sponsorship offers and like as many you know less people wanted to hang out with me. It's like, oh, you didn't think that had anything to do with being the world champion, Tyron? Champ. Like, Champ. <laughs> Come on, man. Ah, oh, yeah. Ah, oh. this is coming for that head, champ. Um, <laughs> finishing up a little bit of the main card here. UFC 257, our first pay per view of 2021 in the books. JoJo, Joanne Calderwood with a upset. That's that. I mean, at top three, man, uh, upsets in my book with the unanimous decision over Jessica I. 30 27, 30 27. 29-28 across the board. Uh, big win for JoJo, man. I got to be honest. I thought I was going to get the win, but Calderwood, uh, solid victory. Yeah, and uh, like she really, she really needed it because I think Calderwood was on a two-fight losing streak coming into that. Uh, I mean, that fight, or maybe she had lost a couple recently. I'm waiting for this thing to load. Um, oh, she had lost to Jennifer Maya. That's right. It wasn't a two-fight losing streak though, just one. And Jennifer Maya wound up fighting for the title uh, right after. That's right. That was uh, Calderwood was supposed to fight uh, Shevchenko. And then she took the Jennifer Maya fight so she could stay active. Maya won and stole her title shot. That is right. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's great for uh, for Joanne Calderwood. This was a good fight, too. Like, Calderwood definitely won. Uh, and I is a good fighter still. She just, she's just in a really tough spot because... You know, she's fought Shevchenko before. 
and Shevchenko totally dominated. Um, you know, she kicked Jessica Eye in the head. You know, it was a yeah. brutal one. I was there live for that one too. That was like a that was a really damn good shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, you look at that and then losing to Calderwood and uh, you know, kind of where she's at right now, the division. She's almost in like a almost like a Yoel Romero type scenario where like does the UFC keep paying her? I, I doubt she's making like a ton of money though, but you know, in comparison to a lot of the women in the division, she might be. So uh, that's a, it's a really big loss for Jessica. I, but it's a really big win for Joe and Calderwood. Yeah. I was very happy for Jojo. Good win. Keeping, um, you know, keeping their name very relevant in that division. It's always a good thing, especially, uh, when you're 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 you know a performance or two away from being in the title discussion, um, again a decision unanimous across the board. Can't be mad at it for Joanne Calderwood. Uh, I was excited to talk to you about this fight because we didn't really dive too hard into it. Um, was so top heavy with those top two, but uh, the Andrew Sanchez Mahmoud Miradov fight, another finish on the night, third round, flying knee and punches for. Miradov, who I, I blows my mind, he's the only MMA fighter that Floyd, he's like associated with Floyd Mayweather under that umbrella, and he adds another win to the column, man. Um, it, this was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, this was another one where like, I mean, this guy is just like a total, you know, prospect. Like, what's his record? Uh, 25 and 6. But he hasn't lost since 2017. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's 14 wins in a row now. The last three being in the UFC. Um, the last two being by TKO. Three, four years. Two. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That that really is. Uh, he was winning like titles outside the UFC before this. He's definitely got to keep our eye on. Um Super impressive performance. I mean, great flying knee. And, yeah, I, I could definitely, especially with that link uh, to, to like, the money team or whatever, whatever they call that, right? The money the money team, TMT? Yeah, I, I think um, it's the money team. I'm, I, I'm not exactly sure if he's on, if there's a different name, but branch for that part of Mayweather's division. But I guess it's all money, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure, as, as long as Floyd gets a, a piece of it, um, which, which he should, I guess, you know, to be fair, I'm sure he's really, he, he, I'm sure he helps those guys out a lot more than like I would ever really even know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Great win for Murad. Uh, good looking kid, 30 years old. Like you said, uh, 25 and six seems to be a pretty high ceiling, uh, for this cat. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do next with him. Cause like welterweight right now is, or sorry, middleweight right now is, uh, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty stacked. Um, it's, uh, but the future is, is interesting with Adesanya with him going up to light heavyweight and if he'll continue to defend at middleweight or not, uh, depending on the result of that. So, I mean, I can see this guy maybe getting like in, maybe like at some top 15 opportunities. Like we had Brad Tavares fight on the undercard of the show, and, you know, he got another win. I mean, that the timeline for that would be, I mean, literally equal. So, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, him and Tavares next would be something good, too. So that, That'd be fun. A, Tavares yeah, is really good. Yeah, there's some good options there. And that would get him into the top 15 if he won. So, uh, 
So yeah, really big win. I mean, anyone who won on this show, it's a huge win because of you know so many people uh, uh, yes, watching yes. it. So yeah, yeah. We we talked about it. Anytime you're on a Connor card, it's more eyes on you, uh, fresh faces uh, to be hopefully maybe sell a t-shirt or two for the the, the talent. But again, we we I try to sneak it in when I can. Should he paid more? He keeps getting knockouts like that. This cat will be living up to that money team name. The uh, the pay-per-view open, man, with a lot of talk for Amanda Reboss, though she takes the L, gets finished uh, kind of twice. This was a odd, you know, odd way for this fight to end. I was uh, looking forward to asking about this, but uh, Marina Rodriguez with the win, TKO also uh, with performance of the night bonus, along with Miradov, um, who we just talked about. But yeah, essentially, uh, Herb Dean comes in, I mean... It felt like maybe he was kind of breaking him up, but he wasn't really breaking him up. She thinks it's over. He says it's not. She ends up getting the finish anyway. I mean, what what's going through your mind seeing all this happen? So, I mean, really big win for Marina Rodriguez. Um, and Amanda Hebos, yeah, had a lot of a lot of um, she was on a pretty good little role. Like, you know, she came off that win to Paige over Paige Van Zant and stuff. And um, but the the fight. It's just weird. Like Herb Dean seems very indecisive, especially lately. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, happened- how many how many times has he kind of he he's taken some uh, some flack in the last few years? I mean, it feels like that's part of being the judge is you're going to have those moments in there, uh, or she being the ref. Excuse me, being you're such a tough spot. But I think you're right. I had the same thought go through my head that a little hesitant, you can't be hesitant in that role. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I feel like you didn't have so much of a like a history of it until like more recently, like the last few years. Like I especially like the last like year or so. Agreed. Like it just it really um what was the fight? Um there was a fight really recently that he was the. Why am I spacing on who it was? Oh, it was Hauling Qatar, um, or Cater rather. Um, yeah, so he was the referee for that fight, and I remember him almost jumping in multiple times in the fourth round uh, to stop it because uh, Hallway was just pouring it on him, and. I'm glad that he didn't because uh, Cater like kept fighting and finished the fight and like is a fucking warrior for, uh, you know, outlasting what Holloway did to him. But I remember Herb like almost jumping in a few times. And I think ultimately that night he made the right call, but it looked really indecisive. Like most referees would have just jumped in and stopped it. Like there wouldn't have been like, so much hesitation where like he literally like lunged towards them two or three different times, but then like pulled himself back. Like, yeah. Yep. You know, and then in this fight that we're talking about with Rodriguez and he boss, it was, I can't blame Rodriguez for like stopping because Herb is what, so they're on, she's on top of he boss, like on the ground, like mounting her and just like, I think just landing like elbows on her. And, Herb Dean is standing over the two of them. Like he's not like to the side. He's like on top. Like like he boss is like looking up at Herb Dean's crotch, basically. You know what I mean? Like he's standing over them. So and then 
like they're they're kind of they're fighting and and Rodriguez um like moves a little bit and Herb Dean bumps into her because he's literally on top of them and because she feels the you know someone touching her she's trained that like oh you feel the referee like the fight stopped like the second you feel him touching you you stop so she did everything right it was on Herb Dean for like he when you're in that position like the fight's over in my opinion like if you're <clears throat> like like if for if, if Herb Dean's in that position the fight should just be over because there's no reason for the referee to ever be that close to the fighters unless they're in the process of breaking the fight up to finish the fight. Like, I feel that, you know what I mean? Cause any other referee wouldn't have been like, you wouldn't have been on top of them. Like you, like you would have been on top of them when you call it, but you wouldn't have ever been that close to begin with. You know, it's almost like, it's kind of a weird scenario, but it's, it, it's almost like, like, let's say that uh, Chandler and, um, or sorry, not not Chandler. Uh, say that uh, uh, Holloway and Cater, that same exact fight's happening. Like Herb Dean's not standing there right next to fucking Calvin Cater while he's getting punched in the face. You know what I mean? He's off to the side, and then he jump. He'd have to jump in to stop the fight. Stop the fight. But like, you know what I mean? Like Herb Dean's not going to be standing there right fucking next to him like, against the cage, like dodging punches. But that's but that's basically the the position he got himself in with Hebos and, and Rodriguez. He's on he's basically on top of the pile. So like, why wouldn't Marina Rodriguez think the fight was over? Um, and then he felt then she feels him like the touch also when he accidentally bumped into her. Right. So, um, and then <laughs> then like the crowd's cheering and like everyone thinks the fight's over. <laughs> I think including Amanda Hebos. And then, like, Herbine's just like, oh, yeah, no, I, I never called the fight. And it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she had to go do it again. And then he arguably pre- prematurely stops it because she's on her feet. Like, you know, I, she was out. Like, I'm glad he did stop the fight because he should have stopped it the first time. But you know what I'm saying? Even then, it was like a question of somewhat of a questionable stoppage, like, because she didn't like. She didn't get knocked over again. She didn't like. She was standing there, kind of defending, and yeah, I mean, she was getting hit with heavy shots. It was a good stoppage at the end of the day, but but the but the kind of the point is like you didn't stop it when it was clear as day that the fight was over, and then you made them fight, and you made her take even more damage, and then just stopped immediately when she started landing again. Like it wasn't. It's like he knew he fucked it up, you know. No, that's that's. I mean, exactly kind of what I was thinking. It felt like fixing a wrong. Ah, fuck! I'm I messed up. I should have called it there. I didn't. Uh, it was a weird, weird start uh, to the pay per view. But at the end of the day, the uh, the better fighter won this night, at least in that moment. Rodriguez, Marina Rodriguez with the dub. Um, yeah, another weird moment in the history of Herb Dean. Man, uh, you know, a couple more of those, and Twitter's really gonna really going to get after you. Um, Were there anything, uh, we mentioned that Brad Tavares win, anything else on the prelim card that you wanted to point out? I thought the Juliana Pena win over Sarah McMahon, man, she was tough. Um, McMahon was wrestling early and then Pena gets the, uh, the rear naked choke in the third. That, that was a good back and forth. Um, Anything else that really stuck out to you on the prelim card? Yeah. I'm with you with the, uh, the Pena over McMahon fight, especially because McMahon won uh, most of the fight. She was dominant on the ground. Um, and Pena with that rear naked choke, that was really nice. 
uh, Roundtree. I don't know if I, I know I wasn't alone because I saw people on Twitter saying the same, but I felt like Roundtree won, but I also like wasn't paying super close attention to the whole fight. And it's funny because I, I, I know other people are in the same boat because I saw a lot of people tweeting things along the lines of every time I looked up, Roundtree looked like he was winning. But like that means, <laughs> you know, a lot of people weren't looking at the whole fight, you know, so. Yeah, I, and, I, I had it. Um, I watched it pretty, pretty solid. The whole, you know, my attention was on it. I had it um, against Roundtree. I get. I, I wanted Khalil Roundtree to win, but I actually thought he lost solely because of just some things in the third round. But it was that close, so I know anytime it's that close, it can go either way. Sure, but so to be fair, like I only saw like you know when I was wa- when I was watching the fight and paying attention, literally Roundtree was winning, but I was also missing big chunks of the fight. So like I, it's totally possible that uh, Protnio you know, totally deserved the win. Um, and either way, it was, like you said, even if it was a really close fight, I mean, that's, you know, two good fighters there. And the other thing I would I would point out is uh, in the in the early prelims, we had, uh, I think he pronounced it, Evolov defeating Nick Lentz. And this one was interesting for a few reasons because Lentz just went for guillotine chokes like the entire time, which is like his, it's like his signature move. Um, and Evolov just like, just stayed super calm and just, just like got out of them and just, you know, he just made the right moves on the ground and got his neck loose. And, um, it was really, really impressive. The composure that he showed against the guy who's so dangerous, like with that specific move and, Personally, I thought that, uh, you know, I think Evolov probably deserved the win, but like it was a, I thought it was pretty damn close. Like I could see the the argument for Nick Lentz for sure. Like I think Lentz definitely won the first round. Um, but anyway, the point being, that was a super super close fight, and the and Nick Lentz actually wound up retiring after after the fight. Um, but the commentary. I couldn't believe, like, I, I, I'll just say it. I don't really like the team of John Anik, uh, DC, and Paul Felder. Just personal okay. preference. Um, I respect all the guys, obviously, but but you know, I, I think Anik is is great at what he does, and I think Daniel Cormier is a guy that like you always want because you know he's going to have a, a totally different perspective, being a, a Olympic champ or you know an Olympian being a two division champion in the UFC, all the things he's accomplished. Paul Felder, I think is really well-spoken. I don't think he's like the best on commentary, but I think he like the way he speaks comes across really well, but like the substance of what he's saying, I don't agree with a lot of the time. And I think it's just kind of contradictory towards like how he fights himself. It's kind of, it's hard to hard to explain how I like, I like Paul Felder a lot. I think he's a fucking warrior, like love watching him fight. Um, but I'm not really huge on him on commentary. And there's just something about maybe I'm spoiled because like I like I love when Bisbing does commentary and stuff like that. I just think they have better options. Right. But but the point is, all three of these, Anik, DC and Felder, all three of them were like. They basically said that it was 3027 Evolve the entire time. Like it was like they were watching something completely different than I felt like everyone else was. Um, and Joe Rogan gets a lot of shit for that, especially lately. He's been getting a lot of shit for like being one-sided towards fighters and biased towards certain fighters. And 
I just wanted to point that out also real quick because like that isn't exclusive to Joe Rogan. Like all right. of the commentators do stuff like that, um, and it isn't good. Like it's it's not good that that happens. But like that happened big time in this fight. Where while I was watching that, I was like, y'all thought y'all all thought that Nick Lentz lost a round where the entire round was him working a guillotine choke. Like the other guy did nothing <laughs> but the other guy did nothing but defend a guillotine choke. You know, like anyways. But that that's that's what all I would point out as far as like the on the prelims. Um, but it was interesting though how Frivola and uh, Saryukian wound up fighting each other too because yeah, both of, yep. both of their opponents wound up falling out and they wound up fighting each other. No, that was that was a, a good story coming out that I thought uh, even with how that fight went down, uh, both stock in my book rose that they. They were there to fight, man. That's what they do. So um, good card. Some good stories coming out of UFC 257. Um, before we get out of here, uh, we're going to pre- do a little preview work next week. But uh, there was another card this past week. It was on the ESPN network in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, which I was fucking fired up for. Um, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny main event. Chiesa. Unanimous decision, 49-46 across the board. Uh, he felt like he was just a step or two ahead of Magni the whole way, bro. Yeah, incredible performance by Michael Chiesa. Uh, I mean, master class. Uh, that, was, that was impressive as hell. And Neil Magny's fucking tough. We talk about that a lot. Um, and I mean, Magny's really good on the ground, and Chiesa was like, it was just that much better than him. You know, I mean, that was... I was really, really damn. I, I've been impressed with Michael Chiesa for for you know quite a while. I, I even liked him back when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, like because I'll never forget that his dad died while he was on the show, and I just had so much respect for the fact that he like kept fighting and won the whole season after something like that happening to him. That's incredible. Um, yeah, really, really, really says a lot for like just him as a person, you know, and and Magni. It's just a damn good fighter who always fights top guys. Um, so, and Magny's well-rounded as hell also. Like, Magny's a really good wrestler on the ground. He's a really good submission guy. He has solid striking. But Chiesa was just better everywhere. And the only mistake that I think Magny made was he, I think he, like, he fell into Chiesa's game plan a little bit too much. Like, there were opportunities for Magny to try to strike with him. And Magny had the longer reach. Um, but then he'd like, I think to kind of maybe to prove a point to himself would like tie up with Kiesa and then he'd wind up getting mounted on the ground and stuff. Yeah. Um, but dude, I, yeah, I can't say enough good thing. Michael Kiesa looked fucking great and he's a legitimate, uh, potential contender at welterweight. Like he's, he's legitimately like one or two big wins away from like, if he beat the right guy impressively enough he could be a really big threat to, uh, to Burns or Usman. Well, that was gonna be my next question. Is he a winner or two out? You, you, you beat me to it, man. I agree. As good as it, as good as it could have been for a Wednesday afternoon, uh, for Michael Chiesa, I think that's a great story. There's a great, uh, amount of that can go into that title story. The closer we get to it, um, in the co-main event, Worley Alves over, Munir Lazez TKO in the first round, and then the other fight I wanted to talk about real quick: the uh, the light heavyweight knockout, Isaac Villanueva. The knockout, it was all over fucking Twitter. Um, 
two good finishes right here again on ESPN. A lot of a lot of eyes on you for uh, for Warley Alves and Isaac Villanueva. Yeah, those were incredible knockouts. Like the Warley Alves was he basically just like spammed body kicks on him, just <laughs> whack, 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 and then and then when uh he could when Lazez couldn't take anymore, he just punched him until the referee jumped in. I mean, just. Just went beast mode on him. There's no other like way. Of, there's nothing else I can really even say about it. Just, just, uh, I mean, just bullied him in there. Just and just got the job done. And then Velanueva's knockout was incredible because he literally spun Morea around like he did like a full almost three six. It was definitely at least a one eighty. Um, when he uh when he punched him uh, for that knockout, just totally spun him around serious power there and then uh another thing i want to mention real quick about the main event was you know Kiesa called out colby covington after the fight yeah yep and i don't think that's a fight he's gonna get because i think they're gonna do covington and masvidal and yeah i don't know why it's taking so long to to get it done but that's kind of been what to be fair that's happening a lot lately like it took for a long time for steve angano it took a long time for usman burn like for some reason some negotiations are taking a long time for the ufc so i i want to imagine they'll get colby and masvidal like signed because that that is a fight that like i think needs to happen but case is going to get kind of like basically Case is in a position where I don't think he's going to fight Covington for that reason. Cause I think Covington and Masvidal is just too much of like a no brainer. But if you're Kiesa, like you're probably looking, you know, paying real close attention to, you know, like Edwards and Chimeov, like those guys, you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're wondering what's going on with wonder boy Thompson, you know, yeah. like though, those are some big, but you know, there's, there's some stuff there for him that could be real big. And then the other one is that big X factor where, you know what I would do? I would have, unless, unless Kesa wants to stay uh, active, which he definitely, which he totally might, you know, if he wants to stay active, I could see him just like fighting like Damian Maya or Steven Thompson or something, just someone available that's ranked ahead of him. Um, but if things play out the right way, like I could see, I could see Kesa fighting, the loser of Usman and Burns or the loser of Masvidal and Covington. Um, because I think the winner of Covington and Masvidal, this is a kind of far, this kind of a stretch, but this is like, so with all this stuff going on at light heavy or at lightweight right now, especially with like, you got to imagine Connor's going to stay there for a minute with like the stuff with Dustin now. And there's all the contenders at lightweight. The the story that no one's really talking about at the moment that I know me and you are definitely here for. I think the winner of Colby versus Masvidal fights Nick Diaz. Oh shit! Because that all just makes so much fucking sense. Like, because both guys like Nate or Nick hates both. Like he hates Covington and he respects Masvidal, but he's got that built-in story where where he beat Nate. So. Like he could fight either of those guys, and it's a huge return fight for him, and that's something that gets him out of bed and like motivated enough to like come back, you know. So, um, but that all being said, like Chiesa gets kind of squeezed out a little bit in that scenario. But even if he fought, I mean, even if he fought the loser, if he fought Masvidal or Covington, and he beat one of those guys, he's right there. Like he's right there, potential title shot. So, um. 
Case is in a great spot right now. And that was a humongous win. And Magny is still in the top 10. Like, Magny is still, he just he just got outclassed by a guy who's just better right now. He's better right now. Yep. yep. For sure. For sure stuff. Good good storylines coming out. Um, I, I don't know if you saw the fight, um, but there was a Nur, Nurma Gomedov on this card. <laughs> Bantamweight Nurma Gomedov. Umar with a rear naked choke second round finish win on the prelim card of the uh, the Kiesa Magni uh, main event. Uh, what were the thought of a, uh, a mini Khabib, if you will, in the Bantamweight division? Yeah, he looked really good. Um, I, I believe he's his cousin. He's cousins yeah. with Khabib, uh, Umar and Morgomadov. He, he, he looked really good. I mean, he was in there throwing question mark kicks, which, like, I've never seen Habib throw a question mark kick. <laughs> um, I'm not saying he's better, obviously, but you know what I mean? It's like he shows a lot of promise striking, and then the second he had an opportunity on the ground, he he choked him out. So it's like the ground game's definitely there, and you would definitely expect that being an Amargamadov, um, that, like, his his wrestling and grappling is going to be um, very hard to deal with for, for most uh, most others uh, but then you add in the fact that he was in there throwing some really good strikes he was throwing leg kicks and like i said the question mark kick his boxing looks solid um he's a guy to definitely keep your eyes on at bantamweight and he's got that name that name tie-in i mean it's um whether it's fair or not you know like he's someone who could get a much faster push than others because he's an amalgamadoff and it also gets habib on screen because habib corners him and stuff so yeah um so there was that. Uh, Ricky Simon, you know, uh, needed a big win and got that arm triangle choke. So so that was good. And <laughs> I want to give a shout out real quick to Roxanne Montefiore because I mean she got her butt kicked. Um, but I have so much respect for Roxanne Montefiore. Like just the fact that she keeps going in there against just some of the best women in the world. You know, she's just constantly. And she has to be the least athletic UFC fighter yeah. that there's ever been. I mean, yeah. outside of CM Punk, like she, like she <laughs> fight, like. Well, here's the thing, like, she, I've i made the comparison before. She looks like how like her striking, she's her footwork and the way her head stiff and the way she jabs and stuff and throws her punches. She looks like how CM Punk does, like on the on the feet. Like they're both very uncomfortable. But the difference is Roxy has trained so hard for so many years that and that's why I'm a fan of hers, because win or lose, she's not the best fighter in the division. She's and she's probably the least literally. She's probably the least athletic fighter in the entire in the entire sport. And she is a perfect testament to physical limitations. It's like it's like someone like Gregory Iron, right? Like that guy has like a, he has cerebral palsy. But and he has every reason in the world to like not be as good as he is. And that dude has to work twice as hard as everyone else to get, you know, to the spot that he's in in wrestling. Same kind of thing for Roxy. How hard does that woman have to work to be a top level UFC flyweight and with with having like no athletic ability? I mean, it's really fucking impressive. Like it really, really is. Um, and and I just wanted to give her a quick shout out because she's someone that. I think a lot of time when people see her fight for the first time, because I saw it on Twitter on Saturday um, or sorry, on Wednesday, you know, people kind of watching and being like, Ooh, this is, this is really hard to watch. Like she doesn't, she doesn't look like she does what she's doing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there like, 
I know it looks like that, but you know how fucking hard she had to work for all these years to even yeah. to even be in this. Because because here's the flip side. There's a, there's other women she's beating the shit out of. Like Roxanne right. has won some good fights. Like so it's not like she just goes in there as like a lamb to the slaughter. But just the fact that she's as good as she is with such athletic limitations, and and with her attitude, she's like the happy warrior. She's you know a positivity and a quiet little girl who sits in the corner and keeps to herself it's just i mean in her opponent all credit in the world uh vivian arajo uh great performance beat her all three rounds easy i mean it was great performance but man i love seeing roxy in there just just because it's such a great testament to to just hard work paying off no matter who you are and you know it meant a lot to her she's living her dream man and that's always it's always really cool to see someone you know, doing what they what they love more than anything, and I'm with you. It's yes. a, it was a uh, a super. Anytime she's on the card, you know, you're going to get someone that win, lose, or draw, uh, not going to enjoy being in there more than Roxanne. So yeah, great, great stuff, man. Uh, that's all I had. Uh, I know this is uh, good to be back. We'll be back next week with a preview, and then of course some news and notes. But um. Man, good shit as always, and, and one more time for, for Dustin the Diamond Poirier, bro. Yeah, huge one for Dustin. Only other thing I'll say about the Wednesday show, Akhmedov uh, over Tom Breeze. Yeah, we win. finally got that fight. Finally got that fight, so I wanted to bring that up. And Akhmedov is definitely a, he's definitely a problem for a lot of people at middleweight. Um, he got a big step up in competition and has lost to Weidman, but he'll be back. Um and yeah, man, that's really the big underlying thing, like what you just said. The big the big theme of this week definitely is, you know, good for Dustin Poirier. Like this it just couldn't have happened to a better guy. And even I mean, you take all just looking at him just as a fighter in his fight career, nobody deserves it more. But then you add on the layers of the good fight foundation and and all the other stuff he does for people, like that just it just puts it over the top to where I mean that's just even you, even if you're the biggest Conor McGregor fan in the world, even if you picked Conor McGregor like I did in the fight, like yep. I don't think you can call yourself a fan of mixed martial arts and not be a Dustin Poirier fan. So that's right. Go yeah. buy some of this hot sauce. I don't know if it's sold out or not. I still got to try it. I mean, I hear it's good. I'll, I'll absolutely try it. And I'm pretty sure to even to that point, I'm pretty sure all the money for that goes to some sort of organization or charity too. I'm sure so. it does. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like, speak out of turn if that's incorrect, but I think I've heard, or at least a percentage, it's, the guy's just so selfless. I mean, just, just amazing, uh, amazing stuff. So, yeah, that's all I've got. That's how, like, you know, the stuff I got to plug this week. But, yeah, man, fucking good, good shit. Good, good shit, Dustin Poirier. Awesome. We still like you, Connor, but Dustin's the guy now. And Michael Chandler, I can't wait to see his next fight. Yeah, that's another huge story coming out of it. Potential, you know, superstar Michael Chandler. At the very least, way more people will be interested to see his next fight. Like, they could either put him on pay-per-view and, like, another co-main, or they can have him, like, main event uh, an ESPN show or something. (laughs) Uh, So there's... Yeah, but Michael Chandler that was literally did the best possible thing he could uh, in that win over uh, Dan Hooker, and I think Dan Hooker will be back also. But I think there's a little something to uh, you know, that's the first time we saw Dan Hooker after the Poirier fight, and that was a fucking war. And sometimes yes. people just don't 
you know, sometimes people just don't come back the same after stuff like that. So, um, but I still think there's a lot of gas left in the tank for Dan Hooker. I saw him taking his gloves off after the fight, though. Um, I didn't hear anything about him retiring. So hopefully that's had nothing to do with that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dan Hooker's still in a good spot, too. But yeah, huge shout out to Michael Chandler. Great shit, man. I can't wait to be back next week. If you want to, please follow me at Mo's KOBK over on the Twitter. Um, other than that, man, yeah, um, take us out, and then we'll be back next week with a preview, and then knowing the UFC, probably news on people being cut and whatnot. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, over the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, we'll be here to preview and do predictions for – UFC fight night Overeem versus Volkov. Hell yeah. And as far as stuff going on with me, my Twitter is fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. If you want to follow me, I keep all my stuff updated there as far as like the work that I do and stuff that I'm, you know, doing or whatever. Um, the, uh, Oh, this is what I wanted to say. I knew there was something I wanted to bring up. Um, all things MMA. I edit videos for them. I, usually about once a week, I have a video go up. They killed it over the weekend because this is a video I had nothing to do with, but I wanted to shout it out for the channel. Um, They were on the ball and got a recap video of UFC 257 up like super fast, like just a few hours after the show. And it's like a five minute video if y'all want to check it out. But it was, it's five minutes. And it already has, as of the last time I checked, it had over four and a half million views already. So I, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so like, I am super happy to see that for the channel because a lot of our videos are really hit or miss. Some of them are, you know, 10,000 views. Some are, you know, a few hundred thousand. And then every now and then, you know, you get something four and a half million. It's like, oh, hell yeah. I, I love seeing that. So um, check it out. All things MMA. I already have another video that I've edited, ready to go, ready to be uploaded. So that'll probably drop sometime in the next few days, I'm guessing. Um, it's another UFC records uh, video, so it'll have to do with... Uh, I'll just spoil it for y'all. It, it, it'll be a... Uh, it's the top 10 fastest knockouts in UFC history. So oh, yeah. talk, about, talk about those. And then uh, tomorrow night for pro wrestling fans, myself and Moe's have actually talked about doing something similar for classic TNA. Um, but... Tomorrow night on the Fightful Twitch channel, um, I just found out before the show, it'll be me, um, Jeremy Lambert, and who else is going to be on there? I want to give him a shout out. I can't remember. Oh, Joe Pearl. Duh. So it's uh, the three of us. Um, they run the Fightful Twitch channel, Joel and uh, and Jeremy. And now that they're doing it on like a more regular basis, they asked me to come on uh, tomorrow to do a live watch along of impact on Twitch. So we'll be doing that tomorrow night. So check that out. That's it. That's going to be on Fightful's, uh, or sorry, Fightful's Twitch channel. We're going to be watching impact live tomorrow from 10 PM, sorry, 8 PM till 10 PM. Uh, so join us for that. Um, the plan later this week is to have Brad Peterson from WrestleRumble.com come on the podcast to talk to me about the Royal Rumble. So we're going to do predictions. We're going to give away Wrestle Rumble entries. Uh, there's $1,000 on the line for Wrestle Rumble, plus uh, some championship belts and stuff. So crazy prizes as always over there. So we got that going on. That'll probably, I think that'll be on Thursday. And I think we're going to do it live Thursday on YouTube. 
but we will do um, all the audio will be right here on the Fight Talk podcast feed. So, of course, subscribe to Fight Talk podcast right here. Good ratings, subscriptions, follows, all that stuff helps out, uh, you know, the the show a ton. Uh, Fightful Select Weekender podcast, do that every Sunday, talking independent pro wrestling and all that stuff. Um, so that's pretty much everything I got going on. And once again, I try to keep it all updated the best that I can on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. So that's going to be it for this week. Like I said, next week we'll be talking Overeem and Volkov. So for myself and Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, we'll be back next Monday talking some mixed martial arts.